See, that I would be okay with. If every trophy had its own song, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Like the MVP, it's like, all right, we're about to award it, and then you play the song. Sometimes I dream that he is me. Yes. Yeah, there we go. I would be all for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. What's up? It's Chris Sims on Button. Ahmed Fareed's here. It's a Monday morning, and it was another crazy day in the NFL. I feel like we could almost just play a recording of that every yeah. Monday, so I'm going to stop saying that, okay? Well, well there, we, we wasted it. Yeah, we right? wasted we it? said it too much early, right? which there were some crazy yeah, right, weeks. Right. But, I mean, this one was like the ultimate crazy. You think it was the ultimate crazy this week? It kind of seems like I d- it. It does seem like it. I guess there was a, there was the Saturday games that added a, an extra craziness to, well, the, the, fact that to you, the week. You have the biggest comeback in NFL history, and it might not have been the best game of the day. Right, right. You're right. On Saturday. I know. Yeah, 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 there, there, we got a lot to unpack here. Yeah. We're going to hit all the games, as Ahmed always promises, except Thursday night. We're not going to go back that far, are we? Are we I don't going even Thursday? remember what happened Thursday, Thursday night. Thursday night was the 49ers showing that they are physically elite over the Seattle Seahawks, right. right? Just physical, tough. Another good game by Brock Purdy. Ran the ball well. Defense caused a turnover. Won the division. Won the division. Yeah, we're not yeah, going to talk about We're not going to talk. We just no. talked about it. We're done. No, we're we're gonna we are going to hit every game, actually. What, <laughs> what we are going to talk about, though, we're not going to talk about the Thursday game. What? How about our set here? What? So if you're just listening, you, can, you don't see how festive we've become We here. are festivists for the rest of us. Poinsettias, right? Right? Yeah, those are poinsettias. Ho- like we have like holly, like Christmas tree branches on the uh, back couch. Yeah, right. Points- and in the monitor's way in the background. Oh, that's the finishing touch right there. The Yule Log. By our man Pop, right? Yep. Pop getting it all done there. I, I love this. I love this time of the year. I'm like, are you a, are you a fire guy at oh, home? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, you are? yeah. Okay, so you sit around. Like Saturday, see, that was my, my dream day there. Saturday. Three football games. You're not working. I'm not working, right? I told the kids, like, no friends are coming over. Yeah. And my, you know, my son's like, I want to have a sleepover. I want to have, uh, have Cole, Lorenzo, and, 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 and who is the other one? Oh, whatever, sleepover, major. And I'm like, no. I was like, this is my day off, and it's the first time I can watch games all year. Nobody's coming over. Yeah. You know, so it was. Built a fire. Uh. Had a few drinks. Had a little smoky. Okay. Enjoyed the game. It was a great day. You watched all three games. All three games. Okay. All, we will, we will yeah. talk about those games. Yeah. yeah. We're not uh, outlawing those games. And I noticed also you got your holiday haircut. I, oh, I did. I got a little trim on Friday. So this is, is this the first time you've kind of gone tight on the sides? I went a little shorter. I said, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done with this, like, just this law. I just, I like it a little more clean cut. Yeah. I'm going to stay like, so this is in between haircuts, Longer right? on the top still. Longer on the top still, not shaved to the side like I used to. Yeah. Right? It's still got a part. You do. All right. So it's still Johnny traditional, but it's just a little less hair to manage, which is, it really is better. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. But thanks for noticing there, You're friend. Welcome. Thanks You're a welcome. lot. You're welcome. I, whenever your hair changes, I notice. One of yeah. the first things I notice about it. I mean, you. we also had the World Cup yesterday. It's I mean, crazy. we had a fucking crazy weekend might have been the best sports weekend of this year it was pretty strong i'm not going to disagree with you that was a that was a hard-hitting two days for sure and even the thursday night game was enjoyable too but yeah, yeah between some of the storylines on saturday Messi and mbappe gone after oh, it on great. sunday i know i i literally left the house okay and it was two nothing Argentina, and they were dominating the game. Like yeah. I was like, I, I was like, I don't think Mbappe's touched the ball more than like one time in the right. first half. And yep. now it was second half. It started. It still was looking that way. I walk in the control room. It's two two. Yeah. And Morgan, who's sitting here next to us, I she'll tell you. I came in. I was like, what the, 
what? I was like, what? How did this fucking happen? Like, who's coaching Argentina? Jeff Saturday? Jeff Saturday? Blowing leads? What's he doing? Sneaking it with Matt Ryan up the middle again? Run the ball. Uh, It it was crazy. I I think maybe the Super Bowl and Olympics. That was a pretty big day this year. So uh, we had to throw that. That was football. It's a a cousin of our football. So we had to say hi and give it a little respect. Worldwide biggest sports day of the year yesterday, I think. I think so. So let's get into it. Let's do it. We're hitting every game from Sunday. That is our promise to all you the homies. Dan there okay, give me the headlines. There's the line. Monday Night Football oh, props. You have to say it It's a week, podcast. Right? It's a, it's it's a an tradition. official podcast We've started. now. We've now officially started it. Uh, let's get into it with... Uh, I mean, there, it's like you could pick any game to start with. Pete was like, what, how does this look? Does this look like a good rundown? I was like, you could basically start with any game and it'd be okay. Uh, but we're going to start with maybe the craziest play that we have seen all season long. Yeah. The way that the game between the Raiders and the Patriots ended on the lateral to end it. Jacoby Myers going rogue basically, and Jason Garrett called it out on TV, which was a good call because I think some people may have thought, like, what, oh, did they yeah. try to do that? Oh, were yeah. they calling right. that? I think but a lot were, of people did it first. They were just Why would the, the Patriots do that? Why would Belichick do that? But you can question the coaching staff, like, if you are just going to run the draw, maybe just take a knee. Well, I mean, and that's the other thing you see, too. When he first breaks the line of scrimmage, if you watch the play back, Mac Jones is telling him to go down. Mac Jones is literally going like this. One of the best parts of the whole play, listen, the play's amazing, we know that, but what I got a kick out of as the night went on was watching the reaction of the, co- the coaches on the sideline, watching Matt Patricia and oh. Joe Judge as they see him about to, but they lateraled it, and they're telling him to go down, and then they're, their hands are out and like they're yelling like they must be, go down, no! Like, I mean, it's, it's out of a movie. You couldn't have written that script. That's where like the sports are crazy. It's it's real life drama. Chandler Jones of all people is the guy that picks it off. So that's you know? funny to me. That's yeah. funny to me because yes, he's got the connections to the Patriots for right. sure. Right. But you know what's most funny to me about that is that Chandler Jones almost makes the tackle of Ramondre Stevenson at the line of scrimmage a yard later. Yeah, right. And then after he misses the tackle, he gets driven into the ground by uh, Micah Wainu. <laughs> and then Chandler Jones... This is the funniest part of the play to me. He's just standing there, he right? He just gives up. Yeah. He basically gives like, up on the play. He's like, they're going to go down, and I'll just we'll chalk it up to overtime. He doesn't move another yard. He's oh, not already, running yeah. down. The, he just gives up on right, the play. Right, No, Like, absolutely no hustle whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. And then happens to be in the perfect spot <laughs> when Jacoby Myers goes rogue with a long lateral. I, it was one of those moments that, as I was, you know, you're watching other games. He breaks through the line of scrimmage. And you're like, oh, okay, whatever. But you see the clock's down to two and one, and you're like, it's over. And then you're going, whoa. I just remember going, whoa, why is he throwing it back like that? It's a tie game. Like, it's risky. And then it's like you saw came into picture. You were like, oh, my gosh. Like, Chandler Jones is sitting right there. <laughs> and it just – it was like – and then it happened in slow motion. And I think everybody, like Pete, would tell you and everything. I, I mean, I was – I we were getting ready to rehearse a segment, right, for the Football Night in America. And I literally ran off the rehearsal. It was like, holy shit, what the <laughs> hell are they doing? I mean, it was just an unbelievable moment. <laughs> that's, that's, that's hilarious. Yes. That is hilarious. Watching the dots right now, if you're watching on NBC's uh, YouTube page, it's pretty amazing. Let me see that again. I want to watch it. And- I mean, look at, look at 55. Chandler oh, yeah. Jones misses Almost the tackle. Almost makes the tackle. Yep. Ramondre. Dri- driven into the ground, and then he's just standing he's there. He's just standing there. He he's does like, not All right, move. It's over. And then, for some reason, Ramondre <laughs> pitches it back. 
And then Jacoby Myers makes really one of the poorest decisions we saw in football this year. And that could have knocked the Patriots out of the playoffs. Which I thought the Ramondre, looking at that one, I was like, there was the potential that one could have been awesome. Like that little pitch right right there, it was like, whoa. If Jacoby catches that, it catches him off guard, goes up the sideline like that, actually may have worked. Um, So after the game, Bill Belichick talked about it. Jacoby Myers talked about it. If you haven't heard their uh, comments, here they are right now. We made a mistake, you know, played it where we've talked about situational football. We talk about it every week. But we obviously we've got to do a better job playing situational football. I saw, uh, I thought I saw Mac open. I didn't see Chandler Jones at the time. I just thought he was open, tried to get to him, and let him try to make a play with it. But the score was tied, so like I said, I should just go down for it. It ain't even about the money, you know what I'm saying? Once you give it to me, I'm smart enough to know. So first of all, mad respect for Jacoby Myers. Like if you've seen that interview, he's in tears basically yeah. after yeah. the game. And he right. stood by his locker and answered all the questions. And that one that he just answered there was like after he'd already answered three questions right. about the play, like how right. bonehead it was. And then it was someone goes, well, what were you seeing out there? And so he had to like kind of relive it again. But he, he know, he just got caught up in a, in a got brain a dead moment. moment, brain right. dead moment, moment, trying to make it happen. Right. Just it's it's an athlete where it's like the gift and the curse. You just don't stop competing. You, know, you think, oh gosh, maybe we can make a play and end this right here. You know, but it was just it was just one of those where he obviously you know lost his common sense to a degree, and just you got to realize at some point, like, wait, this is it's a tie game. We can't be risky here. I can't take that chance, uh, and it's unfortunate. It is. I mean, Jacoby Myers is. He seems to be a total Patriot guy and yeah. has done things the right way there. But this is a, the weird thing about the Patriots this year. It's just weird. It's, it's been a sloppy year, almost from the start of the gathering of the offensive coaches, and it's just filtered into the season where we've seen more penalties, we've seen more turnovers, you know, we've seen you know situational football. And again, like Bill Belichick and that crew up there, nobody practices it more. But sometimes you get a team that's young and just doesn't take the message the same way, right? Like a 2010 Patriots team that just barely got in the playoffs and then got blown out. You know, it just those are years where it, it just for whatever reason, you know, coaching, guys in the locker room, there's some injuries, whatever else, where guys don't take to all of it. And, yeah, they've messed some stuff up. I mean, that game itself was just a weird Patriot game once again, right? They did a pretty good job of crawling back into right? that game. Right? Right. Raiders took the early lead. Raiders did some dumb shit. You exactly. Know? Right, yeah. So uh, they, they would have uh, won this game, too, perhaps, right. if a call would have gone their way at the end of the game. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of that? The Keelan Cole game-winning touchdown. They called yeah. it a touchdown on the field. Mm-hmm. Replay looked like, I mean, they looked at it for a long time. Yeah. Looked like his toe has I haven't seen anything that doesn't say it doesn't, but I guess they feel like it wasn't, you know, clear and obvious enough. And I, I, I don't, that was, that was one that was definitely a little confusing that to me. That was a head scratch. I, I thought for sure. I mean, I, I, I was saying in the, if that's not clear and obvious, and I don't know what is, I mean, I thought you could clearly see his foot on the line, right? And I don't know, you know, the thing that, like, here's a great picture, and we got this from L.E. Bascal, right? I would guess that we're going to get some more pictures of this as the week goes on because there's our cameraman in that corner, and I would think they're going to develop some of these pictures and start yeah. to release them. Here's the one thing that jumps out to me that makes it hard. His black trim on his cleats, it does make it look like it's still the end zone there. His cleat, to me, does look like it's clearly on the white. But that black trim around the edge Blends in very nicely with the Raiders' end zone background, which is all black. I, I don't know, but I was surprised too in that moment. 
uh, that 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 call was stand stand stood on the field, right? Yeah. That that was a little surprise. And you know me, I've always said, you know, if it's a really good highlight and a great moment, let it stand. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're not a hundred percent sure, let it stand. It's yeah. a pretty cool play. Uh, it was the first time this season that the Raiders have won when leading by double digits at halftime. That's crazy. They're one in four now. Right. How crazy is that? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, this is a this is a crushing loss for the Patriots. They're seven and seven now. Mac Jones was just a forty two percent completion percentage, hundred and twelve pass yards. Yards per attempt were like three and a half, career low in completion percentage and yards per attempt. Um, and he didn't even leave this game with an injury. He played yeah. the whole thing. No, no, it was just ugly. Rashant Dutt says, also, were Patriots' offensive struggles more due related to Mac, the OC, the game plan, or the defense from the Raiders? Well, I think it, to me, would be more the OC, the game plan, and the defense of the Raiders. It just felt, this is why I picked the Raiders to win the game. And I'm not trying to sit here and tell you I'm some Nostradamus or anything. But one thing I re- would, that jumped out to me was wait, there's not a great disparity in talent. And then what the Patriots' offense right now is like. Josh McDaniel's offense that he puts in on the first week of training camp. So he's like, wait, I know these plays. I know these rules. Patrick Graham, my defensive coordinator, you know this. This is what we used to do the first two weeks of training camp. We should have a plan to stop this. That's the problem with New England. You know, it's just not a creative offense right now. It's not. And, you know, Mac Jones, is. It, it, it's limited in what he can do. As we discussed a little last week, he's a guy that – yeah, you don't draft him and go, wait, he'll just make plays and then we'll figure it out around him. He's a guy that a Josh McDaniels or a Kyle Shanahan likes coming out in the draft because they go, if I just tell him what to do and I have a zillion plays, he'll run them all the right way and he'll make all the throws. He's the guy that, like we talk about sometimes with Brady, he could take more advantage of more of more. Of more. When yeah. you give him more options and more audibles and more things to read, he can really digest it and bring it all in and put it out on the football field. Right now, they're play- he's probably feels like he's taking a step back as far as a quarterback and his knowledge of the game and things they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. So that's that's where it's a, it's a big disappointment to our uh, to our question there from Rashawn Dot. Yeah, did Dutt. you did you see? Uh... Did you see Josh talking to Mac for a long time at yeah, the end of the, the game, game there? Right? It was like Bill's just standing there yeah, waiting which for the Which I love, too. Right, right. Which like, Bill yeah, just wants yeah, to like, I wonder what he was saying to Mac there. He was talking to him for a long time. He was time. probably just telling him, hang in there. You're doing great. Your like, coaches suck. Yeah, something of that. <laughs> he won't go there, but Josh is a classy guy. But I'm sure he's just telling him to hang in there. He knows what he's capable of, Mac Jones. Yeah. You know, as far as Josh knows what he's capable of. Then it was a quick handshake with Bill. How do you think that relationship is? I think it's good. I do. I, I, you know, Bill is the kind of guy with those type of relationships. He gets it all out, the mushy, gushy stuff before the game. And after the game, he just wants to, let's shake hands and move on and let's not make a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think that relationship is fine. It's a good win for the Raiders. Good for them. You know, it came off a crushing loss last week. And then the Patriots again, too. They came off a win last week where we were underwhelmed. I mean, they didn't play great against Arizona, even though the final score showed they won it kind of convincingly. It wasn't. I mean, they should have been down 16-7 to late in the first half. I mean, the Patriots are... Yeah, they're just not a real good team, and I kind of would be shocked to see if they got in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, we'll take a closer look at the playoff picture a little bit later with our friend Steve Kornacki did yeah. a graphic for us that yeah. we're going to steal. We're just going to straight steal it and put it in our show. Good. Steve good. would be okay with that, yeah, I think. He's a good he guy. Um, so let's move on to, a, to another team, a Cowboys team that's in the playoffs, solidly. They're not going to win the division now. That's becoming clear. They go down in overtime to the Jacksonville Jaguars, 40-34. to 34. Uh, A defensive 
interception play ending this game as well. How about that? Well, it's crazy. Our first two games this here. This is a crazy game. Apest of Apes says, I'm a hopeless Jags fan. So much Trevor Lawrence and Jags as possible. Uh, please. Mm-hmm. So yes, we'll we get will, it in. We will. We will get that in. You and, know me. I've been riding the train all year long, <laughs> and he really did. So, so in this one, yeah. as Pete puts in the rundown here, he made some great plays, oh. and then rebounded from a potential game-ending fumble as well. So there was some adversity in this game for Trevor. Big Lawrence. time adversity. I mean, to, fumbles late where you go, oh man, I don't know if they get a chance to get the ball back. They get the ball back, and it didn't affect him. And he made the plays he had to. Uh, you know. Uh, the Cowboys, where do we want to start? Let's start. Let's just stay on Trevor Lawrence. Oh, yeah, let's Let me stay go with there. Trevor Lawrence Trevor's first. been phenomenal. I think we're all seeing this is, this is the, the guy we thought that he could be coming out. Yeah, let me give you the Sanjay uh, Morjani right. tweet. Right. Chris, hats off to my guy. You called it. When I sit back in bed after watching games all day, that's interesting. Mm. Sanjay just after he's watching just games, games. he's like, I got to go relax. I got to go in relax bed. in bed and play it back in his brain a little bit. <laughs> I think of all uh, the big time uh, wow plays pop back into my head. Over the last three to four weeks, they have been from Trevor Lawrence. That may be the best arm that I have seen. So he is complimenting Trevor Lawrence's arm. So yeah, continue your uh, your gushing over Trevor and yeah. what you saw in this well, game. Well, I, I just think we're 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 seeing a guy that yes, one is taking advantage of all the system that has to to deliver to you, but then he's doing things outside the system, right? And then what was my always my complaint? A little bit the inconsistencies and in mechanics, right. right? And plays where you just go, man, he's too good and too talented to miss that throw, you know, two out of every five times. We're not seeing that anymore. And then the last piece of the puzzle and uh, you know, to to Sanjay uh, Morjani's point here, he's he's found control when he throws his fastball. That was my other issue. When he would really step on the gas, it was like, oh, I don't know if he can really control the football when he really wants to huh, and put it into a tight window. I mean, now it's like every time it's, it's on the money. Uh, so th- that's what was impressive. I mean, th- that's what I'm seeing right now. And then, yeah, the plays outside the pocket, the throw at the end of the game to set up the field goal, running to his left, throwing back to his right, throws it with such pace that Donovan Wilson's there in front of the receiver, but the ball is thrown so hard that he can't even react fast enough, and the ball goes through his hands and he doesn't even touch it because it's going so fast. So I think that speaks to the guy's talent, and I think we're seeing a little bit of the – you know, something that I've been trying to say all year, and they're finally kind of proving me right a little bit. It's a talented football team. They are still young, as we've talked about, but they're not outclassed by teams like the Cowboys or the Eagles, like we saw. They yeah. weren't outclassed. Just the Lions. Just my Detroit well, Lions. It, 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 it's it. funny. Well, you know, started that game off with a turnover, right? ETN started the game off with this game with a turnover. You know, so they make their mistakes every game. But I give them credit for hanging in there and then making plays and then staring down the barrel of being down twenty-seven to ten, right? And then big time touchdown pass. And then Dak Prescott comes back and throws a bad interception on the next drive, gives them the short field, so they score again. So they were down 27-10, to 10, and they got two touchdowns and made a 27-24 within about a three- to four-minute span on the game clock. And that, to me, was really the turning point. The quick touchdown up the sideline to Zay Jones, Dak throwing the interception down the middle, and then them scoring quickly, and then you went, oh, no, ooh, this is going to be a nail-biter here coming down to the, down the stretch. Yeah, a special shout-out. We'll give an early damn Okay to Rayshon Jenkins' career yeah, high 18 go, tackles, the two interceptions, including that walk-off pick six. But you, you mentioned there were, yes, a mistake by Dak there, but it made a lot of big plays. I yeah. mean, the offense did not ultimately lose this game for him. No. Crazily enough, 
It was the defense again for Dallas. They were up 27-10. With that defense in the second half, you figure, all right, this game should be over. They've given up some points here lately. Yes, they have. Um, 40 in this game, obviously not all on on the defense. He had a uh, defensive touchdown for Jacksonville, but it was 23 versus Houston last week, 31 versus Green Bay mid-November, 29 against the Bears yeah. the week before that. Right. Well, what's going on with this Dallas D? Well, it, it's, it's really aggressive. We've talked about they're not real big, right? So they can get away. This would be my assessment. When you're you know, a little more tilted one way, they're okay. Teams like Jacksonville have balance mm-hmm. where they can literally go, wait, if you play too much pass coverage, we can run it up the middle and ATN can have a 100-yard day. And then they're also the kind of team where it's like, oh, wait, you want to pressure us and get all Dallas on us and create chaos and play man-to-man? Well, they have the weapons on the outside to go, bring it, Dallas. Like, we're, we're not afraid. Like, get in our face. This guy, he'll throw the ball down the field into tight coverage. So I think that's where, like, a team like this – is a tough matchup because they can do both pretty well. You know, they can get away with it, teams against the Giants, because they can go in more on, we can put one more egg in the run game stopping basket, right? Because we know they're not going to gash us in the pass game, right? This is my worry about the Cowboys, and we'll see. Now, there's, there's not a lot of teams that have great balance. The Eagles, of course, have the best of it, and that's why I don't know if they can really beat the Eagles when it comes time to do that. Mm. 49ers, on the other hand, they're starting to show balance, you know, but they would be one of those teams where I'd go, I could see the Cowboys making things a little interesting against the 49ers because they're not going to be so concerned with the pass game. They'll be able to go all in on the run game, and the pass game's not necessarily what kills you with the 49ers, but it's looking better with Purdy and everything. So I guess that's my assessment, long story short there. Offense did look better. You're right about that. You know, they ran the ball well. Man, the connection between Dak and CD was pretty special all day. But Dax, you know, he got unlucky with the game-winning interse- interception for a touchdown. Noah Brown, it's a tough catch, but you'd like to see him bring that in for a short gain. Instead, he knocked it in the air. The interception in the third quarter, that was a bad one. That was one where you go, wait, wait, we're controlling the game here. You don't take any chances. We're up 10. They just got a little momentum going. Right. I'm not going to take any. We're just slowly just going to squash this little momentum of fire they got here. And I thought him, just that aggressive throw down in the middle to Schultz was, was clearly his worst mistake of the day. Dallas still 10-4, and four, yep. clearly in the playoffs. Definitely. That uh, hope of a division title is uh, basically gone at this yeah, point for, see you later. for Dallas. They'll be on the road for their, for their first game, probably in, in Tampa or something like that, depending on if they can. Well, they, yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, it. it's just the, the, I mean, the NFC South it's is so bad. So bad. But yeah. It's, I, I, would, I would pretty much, I think we're getting close to, we're going to be able to pencil that in here soon. AFC South, not much better, to be no, quite honest not. with you. So no, Jacksonville not. still has a chance. They're 6-8. and eight. They're just a game behind Tennessee now yeah. for the lead in that division. Tennessee loses again. Uh, what is this, their fourth in a row it now? Is, I believe so. Three-point win for the Los Angeles Chargers. Justin Herbert going uh up and down uh, the field at the end of the game there. Yeah. It was kind of an up-and-down game for him. But um, let's just start with the Tennessee side of things <laughs> because things are falling apart very quickly. Yeah. For a team that we've gotten used to, yeah. hitting their stride this right. time of year. Remember, it was like Derrick Henry, always this time of year, December, this is where he's having his 200-yard yeah. games. And everything is just so difficult for them. Some injuries, not a real weapon uh, in the receiving game. Yeah. Traylon Burks hurt. That's right. I mean, uh, I don't know. Can Tennessee hold on? I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's going to be dicey. It is. They still got to play the Cowboys, and of course, they're going to play the Jaguars. So week eighteen. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys, of course, are. 
you know, they might, the Cowboys might be able to get to the last two games of the season and not really be playing for anything. So it could fall into favor for some of these teams where they just go, wait, we're locked in at the number five seed and that's that. And, you know, we'll see you later. Um, so th- that'll be something to watch for, you know, and, and Jacksonville, I know they got the Titans to end the year, but the other two games, oh, they got the Jets this weekend, at so that's Jets, been dicey. At Houston. Right, so they both got Houston on the schedule, and then they both got two pretty tough games, uh, the other ones, and of course one of them is facing each other. But uh, Tennessee, uh, it, it's, it's it, first off, the four teams they've played are, are pretty good. Uh, it's not like they lost to like teams where we sit there and go, oh, man, these are cupcakes here. I mean, Philadelphia and Cincinnati are looked at as two of the top five teams in football, Yeah, right? Jacksonville, uh, hey, last week we discussed that game a lot. They were controlling the game. They made some mistakes and then allowed Jacksonville to kind of get momentum and going, and then they got into a game where they were like, wait, we're, this is the game we want. We want to run it and control the clock, and then they got down, and they were like, wait, we don't want to be in this game. Now we got to throw the ball every play to come back because we've messed up. Yesterday, a little unfortunate. I think the game played out just the way they wanted it, really. Ryan Tannehill got bad foot, ankle injury, yeah. right? Sucked it up, hung in there. Uh, I felt like the Chargers outplayed them for the majority of the day um, and felt like they were in control of the football game. But Tennessee did a good job hanging in there. They matched up well with the Chargers in a lot of ways. You know, they didn't have to worry about the run game. They can make life hard on a, a simple, what I think is a pretty schematically simple pass game. And they ran the ball okay, but there's just not enough offense, to your point, Ahmed. That's the yeah. biggest problem. And when they play a quarterback like Herbert, you know, he just end of the game, end of the half. I mean, those are the parts of the game where you wish you have a franchise quarterback, and the yeah. end of the game for this one is where he just made some special th- plays and throws to, to put them up. Yeah, he had a couple interceptions, did uh, Justin Herbert. Oh, my gosh. Took three sacks. Right. So, yeah, it wasn't pretty until the final minute of yeah. the game. It was very pretty, which is why I was, you know, and I don't, you can always second-guess a coach, and I, and I don't want to do that every game because it's kind of, it's, it's lame. And when it doesn't work out, you go, oh, why did he do that? But I did think at the time, it was like, you're Tennessee, you're having trouble scoring, right? Are you really going to keep up even in overtime with L.A.? Right. At the end of the game, you've scored with, what, 50 seconds left? I don't know. you got Derrick Henry. They have some pretty nifty plays down by the goal line, usually. I know it just, They do. You're right. It was a struggle for them to punch it in, finally, but yeah. it's still like, I, I don't know. It's like, why, why not give yourself... So you were, you're in the... Fa- you thought maybe just go, go for it. I figure either way, it's a 50-50 chance, right? Yeah. So getting a two-point conversion at the end of a game, or at any time, what, 50-50, right? Yeah. Winning in overtime, yeah. about 50-50. Right. Why not take your 50-50 right there, knowing that that's your only chance to win in regulation. If the Chargers go down and kick a field goal, you're going to lose anyway. If they go down and miss the field goal, hey, you win in regulation. Didn't even need to go to overtime. I, I was just surprised in Vrabel. I don't think he's super, super conservative all the time. No, he's not. I was surprised they didn't go for two yeah, in that situation. I guess he just thought, hey, we were going to hang in there and play the game we've been playing to this point. And it's been our defense has hung in there, made some opportunistic yeah. plays. I mean, the interception at half, did you see that one with the rookie McCrary? Where oh, yes. he threw the ball out of bounds. Yes. McCrary jumped up out of bounds and then threw it back to his to Kalu for the interception. That was one of the most that was the best interception of the season. Yeah. That was a special, special play. I mean, because Herbert really he's going, wait, I threw that ball in a safe place where like it, it's out of bounds. Like maybe my guy makes it a miraculous catch or nobody does. And for a rookie player, Roger McCreary, to make that play there, that was phenomenal. Because there's another moment where, you know, just like you you were discussing, they're not they're offensively challenged, and 
there was a point where, oh, yeah, the Chargers could have gone into the, to the half up by three, and every point mattered in this type of game. That was a phenomenal football play. But, hey, the concerns that we're talking about here with the Titans are real. Yeah. And then with Tannehill not being 100%. And then, like, yesterday, I give him a lot of credit for hanging in there. He, was, he couldn't throw normal. He was just almost standing there flat-footed, trying not to put pressure on that bad foot throwing the football. Um, yeah, Tennessee, it's just um, – they're one in six this season versus teams with winning I, records. As I say, it's a, they're a pain in the butt football team. I just don't know if they can beat any of the quality teams in football because of that lack of offensive firepower. Not that they need a ton more. Uh, you know, we know that they, they're comfortable in twenty to seventeen type of games. But yeah, it's it's a little less than than my liking. That's for sure. You've picked uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars quite a bit. Uh, in that division yeah. to win. They might sneak into the playoffs. Yeah, it's looking like your New York Giants oh, baby. could be making the playoffs. Let's talk about the good stuff. Sunday night football. They beat the Washington Commanders 20-12. to uh, We'll get into all the, the plays at the end of this game, but I want to start with something that happened before the game even yeah, started. You know, Football course. night in America, that's right. where they make you make your picks. Uh-huh. Um, and everyone except one man picked the Washington Commanders. And if you're listening and you don't know who that one man is, you know, Chris is the Giants fan. It's got to yeah, be. Right. Chris is a heavy. He probably picked the Giants to win. Mm-hmm. Tony Dungy is the one man. The Giants saw that. They retweeted this picture. Yep. Uh, what did they say in the caption there? It was something like, uh, uh, oops. And oops. Then they said, you're, at Tony Dungy, you're cool. You're cool, bro. Yeah, right. So think of that. Yeah. If you just would have picked the Giants. I know. They would have thought I'm cool. They would have tweeted and said, you're cool. They've already told me I'm cool. I don't need it on <laughs> social media. But how could you do that? You've gotten several tweets since then. Like, how could you do that? How I could know. you pick against I the know. Giants? Well, I want to be right. I was rooting for the Giants. You know, don't think like, I mean, I, I got, you know, Morgan sitting here. I was rooting for the Giants. Trust me. I was. I, I do want to be right and win the picks part there. And you know, I, I thought the game would be close. I thought, really, you know, it, it would kind of go the way it did. And then Heineke and them would just make a few plays at the end of the game to kind of win it. That's kind of how I saw it happening. But, I mean, that was phenomenal play by the Giants last night. Phenomenal? It, well, it was good. It was good. It's, it's <laughs> perfect for them. Yes. Okay. That's how they started off the season, what, 5-1 and one or 5-2 and two and all that. Run the ball, control the clock, defense get one or two turnovers, we take care of the ball, we kick some field goals, right? I mean, that's kind of been their formula all year long. They've kind of lost that the last few weeks, and that, the good thing was is just to see us get back to that style of football. Would we get a little for, for, uh, fortunate, a little? Sure, we could talk about that. But, you know, I think between Danny Dimes being efficient again in the past game, making a few plays with his legs, Saquon on the last drive, you know, and a few good runs, certainly. And then, I mean, the man of the hour last night the, the, was Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau, the strip sack fumble, all the plays he made for tackle for a loss. Uh, I mean, it was his best game of his career to this point. So that was awesome to see. And then Sexy Dexy making the big play to strip, you know, Heineke at the end. It, you know, again, it's it wasn't dominant. You know, it's not. This is what the this is how the Giants have to play. It's a little ugly. It's a little bit, oh, I hope this happens. Yeah. Uh, but but hopefully this is like, you know, regaining their form and they can find this here down the stretch. They're doing just enough to earn the right to be blown out in the playoffs. You know, they're just <laughs> doing just enough to get into the um sorry, Morgan and uh, Pete and uh, Chris. So yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, let's stay on that just yeah, a little let's bit talk longer. About it. Twelve tackles, three tackles for a loft loss, had a grand slam as Tariko put it in the game right. where he had that sack, the forced fumble, the fumble recovery, and then picked it up and the went touchdown. in for the touchdown. 
touchdown here. This is from our guy, GM Superstar 2, Dam OK, uh, GIF nominee, Kayvon Thibodeau doing a little dance there on the field. James Lennox, 19, also says, Damn okay, Kayvon Thibodeau. I think you may have been wrong about this guy, Chris. Can the Giants build around him and Sexy Dexy to make this a dominant defense? And before you answer that, yeah. they interviewed on the Peacock Show, Kayvon Thibodeau, with Jack and Kayvon. There's a little issue with the mic, so they Jack and Rodney got to talk to Kayvon a little bit off camera. Off the mic, and then we came back on the mic. Came back on to camera. You know what I'm going to say here. Yes. And Rodney says, hey, by the way, Chris, Kayvon says you've been talking a little trash about him. talk a lot him. of shit. Yeah, that's what he said. He <laughs> says, Kayvon says you talk a lot of shit. <laughs> Which like, I knew was going to I, I had a feeling it was going to come. I did. I, I You know, the thing I appreciate about Kayvon Thibodeau is, of course, he's got a great personality. He's obviously very aware. He's made that very aware. He pays attention to social media and everything like that. So I, when I knew he was the guest on after the game, I was like, oh, man, he might be bold enough to actually say something to me, this guy here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he told them. He told them. But you know, this, is, you know, this is awesome. And, again, this is, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I'm a Giants fan. Was I concerned with the pick? A hundred percent. Did you hear what Rodney said in the pregame too, though? He watches on film. He doesn't see him in the pass rush department. So, hey, we just got to see this. You know, we have, it's been too few and far between. That's all I'm saying. He's been a good football player. He's going to be the Giants starting outside linebacker for a long time. But I'm, my only point was we didn't draft him number five to be good outside linebacker for a long time. We drafted him to be... Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, somebody that can, you know, get double digit sacks a year. Yeah. So we'll did see he look, if he can do that. Like the, did he look like that guy in this game to he, you? He's he certainly looked more explosive off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he did. He's been like that in the run game, the things you saw and the highlights and all that. He's been like that all year. And you can't question his motor. I mean, that's one thing me and Pete, we talk about almost every week when we talk about the Giants, is how hard he plays. I mean, he does. That's for sure. It's just the pass rush moments are the ones that we're looking for to happen more, and that was a big night. And good for him, call me out. I told him, prove me wrong, I'm rooting for you. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know if you saw it live when it happened, but did. Uh, it, was, it was cool. And uh, I'm, I am happy for him, happy for the Giants, and now they're kind of sitting in the driver's seat here. And, and I'll be honest with you, yeah. seeing all the interviews beforehand with him, like around yeah. draft day, he's like super cocky, kind of confident yeah, guy, and right. it's like, uh-oh. Kind of like alarm bells well, are going there was, off. Well, like, there were some oh, teams that were turned off by it. They were like, is he too worried about everything else in the world? He was great in that interview with Rodney, though. He's great in every interview. He really is. I mean, it was a really likable guy, giving credit to Washington, even while talking trash about Washington yeah. and their yeah. offensive line. Right, right. Yeah, he's, he's, um, he's made for New York to play outside linebackers' yeah. personality. Now we just get some sacks like that, and hey, I, uh, I hope I am wrong. I really am. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly rooting for him. It's, it's not personal, as I say all the time. In fact, after he said that, and I came off air for a second, I just, to the crew, and they were all looking at me, I just said, it's the worst part about my job. It's the worst part. Sure. I hate that I have to rank guys and do that because players are competitive. They take it personal, and it's not personal. But I know I was there at one point in my life, too, and I took it personal. Uh, so it's just uh, that, that's, that's definitely one of the negatives. It's part of the job you have to do. It's it is part, part of the, the job. job I have to do. So as we transition out of the top five defensive edge rushers in the game right now, Chris, let's <laughs> start with number five. Uh, no, <laughs> no, maybe he'll work his way in there. He now we'll a, get into one of the top five teams <laughs> in all of football. Is yeah. that what you're transitioning to? So, yeah. We got to dive into two more things with this game. Exactly. Right. So let's get to that. Yeah. Uh, you said maybe you were wrong on, uh, on this uh, player, Kayvon Thibodeau. Terry McLaurin thinks the refs were wrong on – and probably two calls at the end of this game. We'll start with the first one. It was an illegal formation, so if you're watching the end of the game, um, they, they run it in. It's a Robinson touchdown run. 
It would have got them within two points. They would have had to still get the two-point conversion after that. Uh, looked like it was, okay, they're going to have a chance to yeah, tie this game up right. late in the game. Right. But there was a five-yard penalty for an illegal formation because Terry McLaurin was ruled to be off the line of scrimmage. Now, here is what Terry, and you can see before the play is run, Terry is having a little back and forth with the ref, which right. often happens, right? Very. The ref kind of is like, am I, or the, the, the player is usually like, am I in the line? Yeah. And the ref may what? Point? He can, yeah, point, line up, or he confirms it. Like, you know, you're good. Yes. Or, yes. or yeah. But, but th- this one was a little different, and I didn't see all those mechanics to say that you were good. So here's what Terry said right. after the game right. about that exchange. Point at the ref. What you saw in that sequence? Uh, yeah. Um, I felt like I was on the ball the uh, entire time. If you look through the the game, I lined up there pretty much every play. So I checked to see if I was good the first time, and he was like, like "Move up a little bit." So when I moved up, I checked to see if I was good, and he said I was good. So. Um, no, I'm not trying to get fined. So we had our other opportunities before it to come down like that. That's tough. But Terry, he told, did you hear him tell you that you were okay? Yeah, I did. Like that's why I'm giving him a thumbs up twice to make sure I was, I was good. But I mean, in that event, I guess I can't make it close for a judgment call. But uh, like I said, I feel like I checked with him twice. All right, what do you make of that? All right, so. Listen, I don't want to call Terry McLaurin a liar or anything like that. I, I certainly don't. I mean, and I know he's a stand-up dude. And he clearly never, thinks that the ref did I know. say that. So there's obviously something. I've never seen – refs don't – they're not out, out to screw players over and things like that. You know, they're, they're always – there's a lot of dialogue between the line judge and the receiver all game long. You're constantly, you know, hey, this guy pulling me here. We look for this. He passing interference. There's constantly conversations going on. You know, or if you were lining off the line of scrimmage a little bit, they usually give you a few warnings to go, hey, you know, those last few plays, I, I let you go. So they're not trying to screw screw players over. Yeah, and clearly in this play, there's a little communication. There a little is back a little communication. So the ref is trying to communicate. Right. And, and, you know, I see them going back and forth. The, the, the curi- All right, so here's the, the, the baseline to me, first off, is he's, he was egregiously off the line of scrimmage, in my opinion. Do we have a clip of it? Do we have a picture of it or anything? I wasn't. Yeah, uh, we'll get one. All right, cool. Because, I, I, I mean, to me, you know, again, it's a formation where it's two fullbacks back in the field, back in the, the backfield, and then the running backs behind the quarterback. So he's got to be up on the line of scrimmage, even with the tackle. He lined up as if he was like a Z receiver, like the tight end was to his side, and he had to be off the ball. So he then realizes that there's nobody there, and I see him look over and try to say, but he moves up like, what, half a foot? Not much. And he's lined up at like, I don't know. I, I want to see it one more time. Here we go. So the line of scrimmage is inside the one-yard line. It's the half-yard line. He's lined up where? Where do you think? The three. The three, pretty much, right? Yeah. So it's maybe the two, right? So it's not even close. That's where I, I you know, uh, and, and again, I respect Terry McClory, our rules expert and all that, but – if we're going to start letting people line up like this, then we just forget seven men on the line of scrimmage or formations. I guess it doesn't matter. So what would be the advantage of having a receiver be able to be off the line Well, like the, that? the advantage of just this, and this is why this is also, it makes no sense on this play. It's a run play. Yes. So who cares, right? Just get up there on the line of scrimmage all the way up there all, you know, to mi- not even make it close. The other thing I want you to look at is the referee is still pointing on the line. To me, to basically, sh- I think he's trying to say, like, 
That's the line up there, and you're not on it. Look, he's still he's looking at him now. Oh, he goes, oh, okay. He's still pointing. He only moved his foot up like three inches. Yeah, that's he true. never really moved up. So then the referees, his right hand is was still on the line. Like, no, this is the line. You're not there. And now he's reaching for the flag because he's going, the guy didn't move up. You know, he moved up three inches, but that's nowhere near the line of scrimmage. He's still clearly a yard off the ball, yeah. if not more than that. And the, the advantage to your question would be in those types of formations right now where you're supposed to be on the line of scrimmage, well, every receiver would move back a little bit because they'd go, well, now they, they can't jump, jam me. They can't bump me, right? So now we can line up in these formations, and then I don't have to worry about the, the bump or the jam either. So it didn't matter on this play, but that's why right. you, know, you, you, you have to hold them accountable here. It's just, it stinks. It, it stinks, but I don't think the referee is wrong here. The only way I would tell you they're wrong is if they told him, hey, you're good. If he actually said that, then that's fucked up. I have no other way to you know, say that or know that. And who knows what happened here, but I can imagine a scenario where the ref thinks that Terry is like, do I still need to move up? And it's like, yes. Or, you know what I mean? I yeah. doubt there was this, you know, verbal communication that was that clear. I, who knows? Or maybe like he was it, saying, here is good. I mean, it's still here's good. Here is good. Here is good. And he was like, you're, but you're not good. You just moved up a few inches. Yeah. And he still had his hand out going, no, here's a line of scrimmage. Yeah. And you were clearly behind me, yeah. who's right on the line of scrimmage and has my hand down down that marker. So, uh, again, it's 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 stink it stinks the technicality it's didn't technicality. affect the play it didn't affect the play exactly right but it was the but right but if we're going to be on like consistency and refing and you know being true to the game i have no problem with that call yeah. now the next call i can get into that and say i have a few problems with so that so if you're a washington commanders fan be more upset about the non call and the pass interference in the end zone i i would say so yeah i mean that that to me is a correctable that's on you, Washington, Ron Rivera, Taylor Heineke, Terry McLaurin. That's on you guys. You played too much football. You messed that up. It stinks. I know that. And like you said, it was away from the play and really didn't affect it. Right. But the rules are the rules. And you don't know that when he's throwing the flag. He, when he's throwing the flag and the ball snap, he's thinking, well, it could be a pass. And now this guy's gaining an advantage because the guy up here wants to jam him. And now he can't. So, uh, like I said, I got no issue with that. But the next one is a little bit annoying. All right. So what, what do you make of it? Very next play in the end zone. Heineke's kind of scrambling around. It's a, a little bit of a broken play. Did a good job of still getting it off, throwing right. it up into the end zone. Yeah, giving this guy a chance. Curtis Samuel in the right. end zone, correct. Right. And uh, it's just... Uh, the Giants defenders have their hands all over. I don't like the game right now because it's refed a different way through three and a half quarters, and then the end of the game it's changed, or if one team's up by too much, it's the referee's changed. That, that, that to me is the most annoying thing in the sport right now. We usually you know, used to just see it like, oh, it's the playoffs, and they swallow their flags. Now we're seeing regular season all year long. When we get late in the game, last two, three or dri- two or three drives of a game, the referees don't call penalties anymore. And there would have been seven flags from guys that aren't even watching the play in the first quarter. And you just would have been like, and then you have here where, I mean, I, I, I don't know. If that's not pass interference, then, then, I, then we don't need to even have the rule anymore. That, that's where I would say. So this is where Washington fans have a legit case to go, like, what the hell? And, yeah, cost them some opportunities to, to make some plays here. And if you want to feel better if you're a Washington fan – 
right? And don't want to feel like the refs blew the game for you. Yeah. If they call that, you still got to get it in from the one yard line. Yeah. Right. You still, still got to run another play. Conversion. Not not necessarily guaranteed. Right. Yeah. You got to get a two point conversion. Right. Then you got to win in overtime. Right. Right. And so it's like it wasn't like it was a foregone conclusion. Exactly. They make that call. Exactly. You're going to win this game, and there were opportunities for Washington. They were one for ten on third down. It was not a very clean game. There was a fumble by Terrell Heineke in the red zone before. Um, that yeah, that was drive. a huge moment, right? That was a big moment. Dexter Lawrence, I mean, one in ten on third downs. You just said that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's you know, that, that's the 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 gift and the curse of Taylor Heineke. He li- he he makes some plays and some big moments, but he leaves a lot of plays and yards on the field every game I watch. You know, but but you know, he makes it happen when it counts, so we kind of all forget. But you know, that's not going to consistently get it done in the NFL. And that's where, like, a guy like Terry Laheneke, I got great respect for him, but that's why they'll be back in the quarterback market when the year's over, too, because they're going to go back and they're going to watch their film and self-scout and go, man, Heineke's a scrapper, he's good, but damn, he left a lot of plays and touchdowns on the board, you know, throughout the year. Can we, do we really think he's the future? And then that'll make them reassess. But, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a game where, you know, Giants game plan – Played it exactly the right way, capitalized in the big moments. I think that's all it came down to. And then Washington got a little unlucky at the end of the game with with the refs and how that all unfolded. Giants now three games above five hundred. I guess eight five and one. That's yeah, three games. Yeah, above you're right. Five hundred. That is uh, that tie always confuses me. Yeah. it's like get that tie out of here. I know. Messes it's up my handy. brain. It's coming up in handy for them right now though. Be- because I'm trying to calculate what do my Detroit Lions need to make the playoffs yeah. right now? They're still out. They're seven and seven, but Washington's still in at seven six and one. Let's get to my Detroit Lions. Oh damn! You're rushing the over Jets. there. Rushing to get to the Lions. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, three point victory wasn't the cleanest game. The offense wasn't that great for most of this game. No. Give some credit to the Jets. That's a great defense, defense they play. But let's give the first word on this game to my main man, Dan Campbell, on the Lions' possibility of squeaking into the playoffs this year after this great run. It can happen, you know. Just do your job. And, uh, you know, you can't hone in on that. What if we don't? What if we don't, you know? Man, what if we don't make this play? Or what if we get? No, you just go make the play. Line up and cut it loose. That's what he does. That's a good way to sum up Dan Campbell. It, it is. Line it, up, cut it loose. They have no fear of any moment. I mean, I, 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 you know, I just think the last fourth down conversion, fourth and inches, games on the line, you know, they just they go for it. They don't go, oh, let's just jam it up the middle and try to get three inches on fourth and an inch, right? They go, wait, that's going to be tough. This defense, the way they shoot gaps, how fast and aggressive they are. So what do they do? They call a play to use the fast aggressiveness of the Jets against them because yeah. they're thinking, wait, we got to stop them and not let them get the first down. So we got to fly to the ball. And they play action fake. And you think, oh, everything's flowing to the right. And then the tight end on the right, he blocks down. He kind of sneaks through the defensive line. And all of a sudden, he shows up on the, the backside of the formation. And we call this the oh shit play. Yeah. And this, is, this play, as I've said before, it was invented by Kyle Shanahan. And uh, that was the, the play of the day, the one that sealed the deal for your Detroit Lions. Yeah, let's take a look at the dots for that play because Hawk Strollager says, damn, okay to the Lions going 1-6 uh, and six to start the year. Now they're 7-7. Seven and seven. How did the Jets' D give up that fourth down touchdown at the end of the game? Yeah. So you just mentioned it right there. Was it basically C.J. Mosley's guy and he just thought he was blocking? Yeah, it, it's exactly right. right? So 57 they're, if you're watching. Yeah, and then, you know, again, this is one i got to watch on film here. And let me see when, uh, when we get back to the top, Pete, if you can just like pause it for a second. Right, so they're trying to bring like a run blitz. They're playing man to man, 
And, yes, I think that is totally his guy. Either way, if it's not his guy, when he crosses out that way, this is a play that these weak side linebackers have been, you know, very aware of. Um, but three and 56, right? Uh, Williams and, and three, I believe, is um, is Whitehead, uh, I believe. They're blitzing off the edge. They're going to try to stop the run game up the middle. So, yes, now 57, Mosley, who's on the weak side of the formation, He's kind of back there trying to disguise the fact that he's playing man-to-man on Brock Wright. And with all the action and everybody flowing to the right, and the Jets being a fast-flow, very aggressive, fast defense, yeah. he's going, wait, i got to get over there in case they run the ball to the right and maybe it bounces outside. right? So he's worried about that. And then within that being too aggressive, Brock Wright you know, sneaks by him, and it's, it's a great play call. It's a great play call in a big moment and knowing the type of defense that you're playing in the moment and using one of their greatest strengths against them, really. Well, the fact that they rushed six right there, if you include the blitzer, yeah, right? right? And the fact that Jared Goff was able to stand back there for a good amount of time. Yeah, and wait for him to kind of clear the trash right. there. Right. You know, the, the play-action pay pay. pay uh, pass or the play action fake kind of slows everybody down a little bit and hey the Lions are good up front it was a good game it was two evenly matched football teams um the Jets defense gave the Lions offense some issues throughout the day they give everybody issues that's one of the best defenses in football but the you know Detroit is one of those teams that again is they're tough on great defenses because you have great balance so you can never go all in on one area. Oh, we're going to stop the pass. You'll get gashed in the run. Oh, we're going to stop the run. Well, Jared Goff and company are going to be aggressive in the pass. Um, so it was, it, was a, it was a fun game to watch. And then we had some good plays by Zach Wilson on that side of the ball. And, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the biggest thing of the game is going to be some of the clock mismanagement at the end by Robert Sala. And that yeah. certainly, you know, deserves to be questioned to a degree. Yeah, ended the game with one timeout remaining. I mean, Zach Wilson able to get the 4th and 18 conversion, which was yes, crazy. right. Um, some bad plays from Zach Wilson, uh, for sure. Yeah. Eisen Lucy DU1 has a good comment here to you. Yeah. He goes, Jets fans need a Dr. Frankenstein to combine Zach Wilson and Mike White. Take Zach Wilson's arm strength and ability to move in the pocket, combine it with Mike White's short-range accuracy, ability to process, and lovable underdog status, and you have a perfect quarterback. Right. Well, it, you know, wait. The one guy you're talking about here can be all of those things. I mean, one guy been in the NFL for five years the other guy's just getting his feet wet in the league and you know being thrust into a very tough situation where hey uh Eisen Lucci DU1 you guys are making life very hard on him and you don't want to let him you don't want to let him grow you just want him to be a second pick of the draft and he was Super Bowl quarterback the next year and that's hey I agree with everything you said the frustrating thing with Zach Wilson is he makes the hardest throws and he completes them and misses the easiest damn throws. That's the frustrating part. But that's extremely fixable. That's fixable. You can't get Mike White to become a, put a rocket launcher on his right arm and make some of those throws. That's not going to happen. So, you know, that's where I was always saying for Zach Wilson for them just to hang in there. Yeah, yeah, he missed some plays. The interception he made was stupid. There's no doubt about it. Um, but he made some, like, eye-popping plays as well and you know the play he made at the end of the football game you know that's one where hey throw it what a great job go down right away Elijah Moore lost seven yards going backwards he wasted some time to where they could have had an easier field goal but definitely worth you know one of the things I think I will do maybe on Wednesday just dissect the clock management a little bit there's three timeouts yeah they got the ball with what a minute 25 left and then 
there we were wasting you know over a minute of time really not going that far and letting the clock tick down in some situations where you're going what, what are we saving the timeouts for so you know robert sala is gonna have to go back to the drawing board there and reassess how he handles those situations as well yeah jets play thursday now and it almost seems like from the reports that Mike White probably won't be healthy, Don't think broken so. rib. But yeah. it almost sounds like the way everyone's talking about it, like if he were healthy, he'd be back there as a starting quarterback. It Doesn't seems it like maybe. Like that? It, it, did, it did. I hear you. It did. Hmm. Yeah. Be interesting um, to see. But we'll see. I, you know, I think this rib and it not being healed and the fact that they think it could maybe a piece could break off and then affect the lungs is what's going to you know keep him out here for a little bit. Yeah, I would say hearing that, I would sit out one more game if that's Your all. Your Lions are sitting good, though, man. Your Lions Still are still out of the playoff picture. Need some help. Yeah. Need Washington to maybe stumble a little bit. Seattle, too. Yeah. Well, oh, I, that I think you could, well, Seattle plays Kansas City this week, so that's going to be trouble. Yeah. I mean, Commanders, Commanders play, play San, San Francisco. Francisco. So you, and, and you guys, to me, and uh, I've been saying for the last few weeks, I think you're going to get in. You have the easiest road. Yeah. I know nothing's going to be like, you guys aren't Nothing dominant. is easy. As a but, lifelong Lion fan, and I know nothing You're is, better than Carolina. And yeah, you're better well, than the Bears. We'll see. But they're dangerous. And then you're going to have to play Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay at the end of the year. I where, thought, yeah. You know, I don't know. They could have no pressure on them. They'd be playing for nothing and just enjoy kind of ruining your year. Aaron Rodgers announces his retirement right before that final game. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But we're in the mix, and we are, we're playing meaningful football, as did the Cincinnati Bengals last year into the final game of the season. Who knows? They could get there again. They start off this week's damn okay. Damn. I'm Okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. Damn okay to Logan Wilson. Really, the uh, entire Bengals Holy defense shit. after the 17 nothing Tampa Bay lead. I mean, it's. In the second quarter. <laughs> Wilson had 15 tackles, a strip sack, two quarterback hits. But really, it was a total team effort for that Bengals defense. So the Tampa Bay and Tom Brady-led offense get out to that 17 nothing lead, and then it all just falls apart. Four I, turnovers from Brady himself on four straight possessions. Yeah. I mean, really, they turned the ball over five straight possessions. When you take into account they faked the punt, right? Oh, that's and right. And the back, the ba- you know, Giovanni Bernard wasn't aware they made the call to fake yeah. it. So that was a turnover on downs. But, yeah, I mean, Ahmed, you said it right. I mean, 17 nothing. Control in the football game. I mean, Cincinnati had to like eke and claw it out to just get a field goal before the half, and you're just going to just it just don't look like it's going to be their day. It didn't look like they had an offensive game plan that was going to be able to really kind of get things open for Joe Burrow. You know, they didn't protect great, and it just seemed like Brady and company had the all the right plays to pick apart the the great zones that. The Cincinnati plays, and he was just going to be patient and four yards, five yards, eight yards, and just pick it apart. It's one of those where I go, man, it's an impressive 34-23 win, but I don't know if I feel good about the way the Bengals looked or more about, like, man, Tampa just fucking things up is, I think, more of the the headline I would go for. Yeah, Burrow threw the ball 39 times, completed 27 of them, just 200 yards, did have the four touchdowns, but... They didn't need a whole bunch of yards. No, they were all short fields, like you said, right? I mean, it's fake punt. Then it was interception. He get fooled by like a cover two corner when he's throwing the tight end on the right. 
Then he's the next drive, he's trying to step up in the pocket. Somebody knocks the ball out of his hand. I think that was Logan Wilson, right? Maybe it was. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember. Uh, so much shit happened there. I can't I remember know. everything there. And then fumbled handoff. Then then the fumbled handoff. And then the next drive, he's in the pocket. Got people around him. He kind of gets hit as he throws. Ball pops in the air. Interception. Uh, it just things that. You know, uh, uh, crazy enough, like we were talking about New England earlier, it's things we haven't seen Tom Brady, things we haven't seen the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do the last few years. And, I mean, just come on. Like you said, you give Joe Burrow that many short fields, I mean, you know what's going to happen with that group. I mean, he's, he's looking to throw touchdowns. And with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, I mean, you knew it was only a matter of time if they kept giving them those type of looks there. So uh, just a, kind of a shocking win. It really did not feel like they were the better team on the field you know, for the better part of the day. But that's a complete football team. And that's the thing that is a little scary about the Bengals. They're not, like, as reliant on their quarterback to take over the game maybe as, like, a Mahomes or Josh Allen. Their defense and that, they can hold the fort down in some of these ugly, if it's got to be a 14-10 to 10 type of game or 17-14 type of game like it was the Titans a few weeks ago. Uh, they are well-rounded that way. And this defense with Lou Anarumo, man, did they step up to the challenge in the second half and – what was Brady's quote he made about them during the week? Did you see that? No. They're a pretty good defense. Or he said something like that on the podcast on his podcast that I think rubbed the Bengals defense a, a pretty tough group or something like that that rubbed them the wrong way and they got their payback. They got another win. Fairly, Fairly tough, tough defense, defense says right. Pete. Right. That's that's not no defense. Fairly tough loss is right. Right. They have uh the Bengals have now won six in a row. Uh their first uh their longest win streak since 2015. And yeah, Brady, those four turnovers, that is a tie of a career high, all coming in just one half right there. And Tom Brady, he entered week 15 with an 89-0 and record in home games in which he led by 17 or more points. He's like losing all of his Chuck Norris stats. You know, it's like all those things like, wow, how incredible. It's like Brady never lost when he was at home with a 17 nothing lead. And they're all going away. Yeah, they're all going away. Yeah, yeah, never lost to a player making his first start, right? Well, yeah. Now we're just going to have to say he never did that outside of outside that last year. Outside of that last year. That, you know that right? last it's year. Ruining, ruining take all away that stats, last year. Right? Yeah, take away that last year. He never did this before. And so now the Bengals lead the AFC North by one game. Tampa Bay still leads the South uh, in the NFC by one game. That division is just crazy right now. It is crazy. I mean, crazy in not a good way. Like today, th- this week was crazy in a good way. That division's crazy and not a good way. No, I mean, you know, we, you know, like we talk about every week, the Bucks. You know, maybe when they're healthy, you know, and and they'd have to play their best game of the year in the wild card round. Maybe they can get, you know, a, a victory. But their schedule is pretty favorable. Here's the NFC South. Yeah, and I still think, even though with all those teams, they're better than all those teams. So I, Bucks are at Arizona, home against Carolina, at Atlanta. Yeah, so it, it's going to come down to that you know, Carolina <laughs> matchup. We'll see. It might not even. Every this, game on this graphic, you go, I can see that team losing that game. Well, yeah, I mean, all, all of these here. I'm really not going to – I don't think the – I don't expect the Saints or the Falcons to get back into this conversation. And – you, know, you just look at it right now and go, wait, uh, Colt McCoy and concussion, concussion protocol. Uh, yeah, I'm favoring Tampa on Christmas night to win that football game. And then Carolina's got to play your Detroit Lions to where you look at it and you go, well, I think there's a good chance that Tampa could add to their lead in the division after this, after this weekend. And uh, I do think they're the best team still in the NFC South. Looking pretty good for the Bengals to make a run in the playoffs. We see that just about every year from the Patrick Mahomes-led Kansas City Chiefs. Our damn okay goes to Pat for this one in the 
uh, overtime victory against the Texans. A lot harder than people thought it was going to be, but NY Chiefs fan says, Damn okay, Patrick Mahomes set a new NFL record on Sunday. Best completion percentage in a game with 40 or more attempts. He was 36 of 41, 87.8%. That's crazy. Um, you, a lot of it was short passes. Yeah. Uh, less than 10 yards down the field. He was 31 of 33 on, on those passes. He missed so. his two biggest passes of the day down right. the field. Like, he, they had a chance, like, in the first half to have, like, you see him here, actually, the two white dots you see down the field. Like they, they, He should have hit those. He should have. He kind of, like, babied the ball out there. One was Marquez Valdez-Scaling. They might have both been Valdez-Scaling. But this, this, like, what you're talking about, Ahmed, and this thing we're showing here. Yeah. To me, this is this is new. This is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is this is just the. It shows you the adjustment he has made to his game from last year, right? Pete in my ear is going surgicality, and that's right. He's no longer into wait. I'm always looking for the big play, the magical play. You know, after last week, making a few mistakes, played it by the book this game. And I'm and I, I can't lie. This is like one of those games where I got to go back and watch it a little bit. Yeah, because it just felt like. Kansas City controlled the game. So our good friend o- Orion right. Chuzzlewit says right. the same thing. Here. Right. He goes, hey, guys, the Chiefs outgained the Texans by 283 yards. Yes. And Mahomes had 20 straight completions to end the game, yet they only barely dug out a win in overtime. Yeah. Right. And then he, he referenced, right, well, the unforced errors the Chiefs made. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are an unforced error type of team. This yeah. is the, the one thing that's scary about them. You know, they can kind of – Take their foot off the gas pedal like we talked about. Oh, get up against Denver, and they start to fuck around. Oh, we're playing the Texans, and, you know, I don't know. I didn't get the sense they were fucking around yesterday. It's just they couldn't they, – they, they would move the ball, and they, they felt like, oh, they're on fringe field goal range, and I'd be watching another game and go, oh, damn, they didn't get the first down. They got a punt. You know, so they did a lot of that. But then I think between the Pacheco fumble and then they were driving when Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled that went through a long review, and those led to two touchdown drives for the Texans. And yeah, some bad penalties to go along with it. So that's where the Chiefs can be a little sloppy. They can be undisciplined. They can turn the ball over because they're such a playmaking crew. But, yeah, it's still one where I would like to go back. I know the two turnovers, but it still even felt with the two turnovers, I kept like thinking like, they should be up by more. Like, what's going on? Did I miss something? And I feel like it was just drives that fizzled out. And then you talk about a missed extra point and a missed field goal. Yeah. And you turn the ball over twice like that. Well, that's how games get really close. And uh, I think people are sleepwalking when they play the Texans a little here as of lately. Yeah, Texans have been in some games here. Right. Cowboys, Cowboys kind of did the same crap last week. Chiefs this week. But right. the Chiefs do get the win. Or win is a win in the NFL. It is their seventh straight season winning He's amazing. the division. He'd be my uh, MVP right for now. For the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick that. Mahomes. Oh, you're not going to give it to this next guy. Uh, our next damn okay goes to an Eagles player. It is not Jalen Hurts. It is Hassan Reddick, Big Butt Award winner from Man, last week. Motivated. He heard that and he was like, "Let's do it." Fresh off that award, he had two sacks. He had a batted pass. He had a forced fumble. He had a fumble recovery in this one. The Eagles, in a game that was tough for them, um, were able to pull it out against uh, Justin Fields, who was <laughs> making some athletic, crazy plays in this game. But um, yeah, what'd you make of, of of a harder win for the Eagles when they kind of had to gut out on the road, but still ultimately getting a win? Yeah, they. I mean, they were off early. It, it almost felt like the cold and wind of Chicago kind of like threw them off their game a little, especially Jalen Hurts early in the game. Eagles should be built for that. Well, I know. I, I don't know what it was. And you know, just it's like it, it affected their passing game or his feel in the passing game early. He missed some 
And he threw two bad interceptions that we haven't seen him really throw like throw like that all year. He missed a AJ Brown early for like a wide open touchdown where I go, oh man, we usually see him always give the guy a chance. So he was off his game a little bit early. They controlled the game, but like to your point, and like we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, like you can control the game against the Bears, but not be in control because of this fucking Justin Fields. It's amazing. He's like, I'm done. I will never bet against. I took the Eagles to cover the spread in this one, and I kept going, oh, I feel good. It's, 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 it's every big moment. Hey, it's third and 14. They got them. They're up. They're up by 11. They're going to get the ball back here, and then they're going to blow them away. And then it's third and 14, and he fucking does a circle and a 360 and breaks seven ankles and runs up the side, and you're like, oh, damn, the drive's still going. I mean, it's just he's unbelievable. I mean, he is the mo- maybe the most exciting guy in football with a ball Justin in his hand Fields. right now, right? So I think he we is. have the next-gen dots for that 39-yard run on <laughs> second and 27. But you're right. It's just like there's every moment of the game where I felt like, oh, they got him. They're about to control it and start to blow them out. Yeah. And then he would make some fucking play. I mean, this is, this is unbelievable. First off, he just ran around a guy seven times. I don't even know what that was. I mean, <laughs> look at it. Look at this. I mean, you know. Uh, 57, I'm blanking on his name, the middle linebacker for the Eagles, Darius Slay here. Uh, he's, he's in the they're, – they're all over him. And he's just like, oh, wait, hold on, I'll stop. Go outside him. Boom, who's 57? T.J. Edwards. T.J. Edwards. Excuse me, who's an athletic linebacker out of Wisconsin? Like, it, it's not like the Eagles are a slow defense. But, yeah, that's, that was the amazing – them being off, the amazement of him uh, – I think that that led to the game being a little closer than Eagles fans might have liked. And all the Eagles fans listening to you talk about Justin Fields are like, why can't you talk about our quarterback? Hey, like your quarterback's that. awesome. So He's you, really good. You became enemy number one I know of I the did. Eagles fan base this week. Right. As I praised the whole football After, team, as you so said. This is how, this is yeah. how you became enemy number one. Yeah. You gave a glowing praise of basically the entirety of the team. The <laughs> offensive line, the defensive line, the defense in general, the wide receivers. You said they got one of the best tight ends when healthy. You said they're so good that They'd still be pretty good, even if their backup quarterback had to play. And by saying that, they now hate you. All Eagles fans I hate know, you. I know. It's um, because you said Jalen Hurts is not your MVP. Well, he's just not my MVP. Like I said, I just you know there, again, I, I'm and I understand how the award goes. It goes to a lot of the times the top team in football and that quarterback. I just yes, again, I, he's done a great job. He certainly it deserves to be in the conversation. I agree with that, but. I just look at teams like the Chiefs and the Bills and go, like, those teams would not even be where they are with the, the, guy, the guys they got at quarterback. So that's where I just a little different. He has more of a supporting cast, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it is my job to think, talk about what I think with MVP, and I do know a lot about football, and I don't, like, I'm not going to discredit myself because if a fan base thinks I'm, I'm wrong. And again, too, the game could not be made easier. I mean, again, just think about the plays and throws we saw yesterday. Just throw it up, and my guy catches it. It's not necessarily high-level throws all the time, and I don't want to discredit it that way either, but I'm just trying to paint the picture a little bit of the game is made much easier for him because of the talent he has around him compared to the other guys, and that's all I was trying to say. You love the team. You think they're really good. And for you, he is in the MVP conversation. He is. He's just not the MVP. Not the MVP. That's all I was trying to <laughs> That's say. The conversation I, goes with I, you. I, yes. Right. Well, right. I think and, and, and again, I know I was wrong with my quarterback rating and all that before the year, and he's certainly have proved me wrong. He's done a great job. Um, but yeah, I, 
And I knew once I saw SportsCenter put it on Instagram on Thursday night, I was sitting there at dinner with my family and I went, oh, shit, here we go. Like I knew it was about the, the flood of comments. And then Friday, yeah. I mean, all I did was get blown up by Philadelphia media. That's all I did. It was my day off and all I did was answer text and people come on and why are you saying this? And I got long texts to people all throughout Philadelphia explaining my thoughts, uh, but I wasn't going to go on the radio and have that discussion on Friday, not on my day off. We'll probably have it again I'm sure we at will. some point between now and the end of the year. Big win, though. A big win, and you know the other part of the game too, where I forgot you know, not only the interceptions, but I forgot you know Miles Sanders fumbled at one point, backed up you know, and gave the Bears a short field. Uh, so they they made some mistakes in this football game that we haven't seen them make, and that allowed the Bears to kind of hang around. All right, let's get into the Saturday games yeah. now. Uh, that Pete on Twitter, I noticed this uh, on Saturday. He goes, "We need a name for the Saturday." Triple header. Yeah. Because that was pretty cool. A Saturday triple header this late in the year, all in the window. Chris was sitting at home watching him on TV, telling his kids they can't have friends. Yep. Ever. Shut up, kids. No friends this weekend. It's a no friend weekend. <laughs> uh, so Pete wanted some uh, suggestions from Twitter on what we should call those three Saturday games. Uh, 62 on the nose said uh, Saturday triple header? Question mark. Stripple header? You know, Saturday triple header. <laughs> Stripple header. Seems I like, like that. yeah. That's all right. Seems a little like strippy, a, though. So yeah, I don't know exactly. That's going to sell to the moms and dads of the world. NFL might not embrace that fully. <laughs> I thought Pete's was pretty good. December Fest. December Fest. That's pretty good, right? I like that. Is good. Right. The three games, and I'll tell you. I mean, it was Football insane. Fest. It was insane. So yeah. let's start with the greatest comeback now in NFL history. We won't spend too much time on these because you've probably talked about these before and, and seen the highlights many, many times. But the Vikings look like one of the worst. 10-win teams in NFL history in the first half. And then the second half, they look like one of the best 10-win teams, in which are what? They're now 11-win teams. Yeah, right. Um, I'm, like that. It's, it's weird. It's, it's weird. Yeah, like, it I is. don't know. And, and we want to give the Vikings. Like, I, th- I feel like it's, it's about as, the fact it, that they came back like that, not a whole lot of teams could do that. No, right? it's, it's so great. It's amazing. We've got this whole discourse on the Vikings and, like, are they good? Are they not good? There aren't many teams that are going to score that many points and not give up that many points in the second half. No, no. It, and it, it's, it's, it's a weird one because, like, it doesn't, didn't necessarily seem like it was great high-level play as far as the comeback either. Nor, I think the other problem with it is it's like, it was their mistakes in the first half, and the Colts didn't really drive the ball ever in the first half other yeah. than maybe one drive, right? It was all just the turnovers and everything like that that set up the short field. It was like the Vikings were responsible for almost all the points in this Pretty game. Pretty much. They, I mean, they really were <laughs> to a degree. You, you, you saw that. They just kept shooting themselves in the foot in just about all areas of the, of the game there, and that was the issue. So that's where it was like it wasn't like Houston Buffalo back in 1992 playoffs where I could still sit there remember just going, "Wait, no. Houston dominated the first half and the early 30 third quarter and then like Buffalo truly dominated the second half." So there was like no mistakes. It was just one team got and got hot and outplayed the other. This was like, "Wait, no. One team made a ton of mistakes and let the other team get a huge lead." And then in the second half, they just started to play to their capabilities. And then the other team started to do dumb shit that you go, oh, wait, this is a guy that was working at ESPN for a few weeks or for a few years, and now he's coaching the team. And the way they handled the second half, I thought was pretty horrible as well. I mean, so, and then what other thing that drove me crazy here is the refs got too involved, in my opinion. This was the wor- this was one of the worst ref games I can ever remember watching. Yeah, the, the ever whistling a play dead before 
everything. The personal fouls on four straight – it's, it's oh, like the game yeah. – the Colts got up and they were like, we're going to start calling penalties on the Colts, right? It was. And, and Pete texts me. He's like, I feel like this game's like NFL Blitz now, where NFL Blitz, the video game, you used to get up by like 14 points and you can never get up by more than that. The, your guy was going to fumble if you're going to go up for three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. He was going to fumble. You're going to throw an interception somehow, yeah. even if the guy was wide open, right? So Computer that, assist. It, right. It felt like that a little bit. I mean, come on. Some of the personal foul calls they called in the Colts were fucking ridiculous. Ridiculous. The guy one time got called for a personal foul. He hit him with the back of his nameplate. He tried to take his head out of the play. So they called him for a personal foul. You know, a bad decision by Kirk Cousins on a, on a five-yard pass to Justin Jefferson. And he throws into the double coverage. I, 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 we're, I guess we're at the point where the defenders literally aren't allowed to tackle the receivers anymore like that. They just have to let them catch it and run for a few more yards, and then they rally and tackle. I don't know what you're supposed to do. So that bothered me, too. Yeah. But that there were some calls that but went against was. the Vikings. Then there was some calls in the end, yes, where you started to go, holy shit, they're fucking the Vikings here. Uh, it was just an unbelievable – and I, I found the game more annoying than enjoyable. Is that weird? That's where it's – I don't think this game will ever get the credit – for the fact that it was like 33-point game because of the Colts being stupid and the referees being annoying, and it just didn't feel like it was dominant. I guess – I don't know. I guess I'm maybe I'm off. Maybe no. I'm a Viking hater. I don't know what it is. Legit. X's in school says, damn, okay, Kirk Cousins, you might as well call him the comeback kid. He's now come back from them uh, being down 20 to nothing, 27 to 10, 24 nothing. It's amazing. Yeah. to nothing. Not, not, too, not too shabby. No, and the NFL, 17-point leads are just nothing anymore. Yeah. It's, it's nothing. I mean, between teams going for it too much and fourth down – the way the refs call the game when one team gets up too much, it's like seventeen-point lead is it's it's just it's it's just amazing. The whole year, forget the Vikings, we see them everywhere. Every weekend, we have two or three games where seventeen-point leads are gone in a matter of quarter. And I, I, it's hard to kind of put your finger on it, but yeah, they're scary because once they once the Vikings kind of get the green light, they're like, we're going to drop back and we're going to start forcing the issue to Justin Jefferson and company. You know, that's that's kind of when they get on their game. But here's the other thing too: like we got to hit this. I, I quarterback sneak with the frailest, weakest quarterback in football. Don't love the call. Okay. Also, don't love that they stop forward progress. I've never seen a quarterback sneak forward progress stop that quickly. And then again, I could show you six quarterback sneaks yesterday where the same thing happened and they let the pile be pushed for another five seconds and the, and, and the quarterback got a four-yard gain. And this one, they literally stopped it like as soon as he got into the scrum, which that was weird. I would say the second thing is kick the freaking field goal and go up by two scores with the long field goal. And I understand that's a debatable one. But here was my other issue in the second half. I know they didn't overthrow in the second half, it's the sequencing of how they did it was the problem. They threw the ball too much on first down. That would be my problem. You know, and sometimes, hey, that's good. You try to catch them off guard because they think we're going to run it. But there was too many first down throws that now led to the defense going, well, they got to run it here on second down because they're not going to throw it three straight plays. Right. So they're going to now play, wait, they're going to run the ball here because they got nothing on the first down and completion. So now they run it, and the defense plays a run defense, and they get no gain. And then you get the third down, and get they got to throw it again, and it'll be incomplete. They they shot themselves in the foot and left so much more time on the clock than it needed to be. 
And I really thought the game was pretty poorly managed in the second half by the Colts and Jeff Saturday. So much for not spending too much time on the Saturday Sorry. games. But that game was so crazy. That one was crazy. Including this next one, too. So I bet we're going to go along on this one. Bills beat the Dolphins 32-29. We didn't get the snowball until the fourth quarter, but then it was awesome. It was. I mean, this whole game was great. This was one of the best games. And I was thinking the Bills have played maybe three of the best games that we have seen the last couple of years. Right. Playoff game against the Chiefs, Vikings earlier this year, this game on Saturday against the Dolphins. It was awesome. Yeah. Scarecrow Boat says, damn okay, Josh Allen, single-handedly carrying his team to victory yet again in a game where the other team played better. By the definition of MVP, he should be it. The Bills are under 500 without exactly. him. Exactly. That's just how I feel. I'm not, not going to disagree with that comment. To your point, too, where you just said they played in the three best – you know why they played in the three best games ever? Because it's like their defense is dominant, and they rely on one guy to just play with his ass and hair on fire and make the fucking game happen for the team. You know, the, the, the Bills are just – they're not a dominant, physical, physically gifted team. They're not as physically gifted as the Miami Dolphins. You saw that. And again, this is what worries me about the Bills. I know they can get to the Super Bowl, but it's just, man, it's hard because it's on one guy to make just magic happen all the time. All the time. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. But, man, this game was a lot of fun. It had a great look. It really was. Um, I, I mean, them staring down the barrel of being down eight points late, that clutch drive to score, get the two-point conversion. Uh, it's just Josh Allen at his finest. It really was. And, yeah, for me, that's why he's – him and Mahomes kind of stand above. And then I'd put Burrow third and Hurts fourth as far as how I would kind of look at the MVP race right now. Don't sleep on Justin Herbert, too, if the Chargers can, you know, win no. out here. From, here's, uh... here's the other thing, too, that I think is good for the Dolphins. Yeah. Hey – Tua answered some questions for me. So that was a big thing of it right. coming into this game. If they won this game, they had a chance to win the division still. It would yeah, have gotten real sure. interesting at the end. Looks like uh, the Bills have uh, wrapped that up at this point. So Steve Kornacki did his uh, playoff odds on Football Night in America yesterday, and yep. I think we have that graphic here. And so the Dolphins do lose, but their chances of making the playoffs actually went up a little bit because of the things that happened around them. The right. Patriots lost. Their playoff percentage goes from 42%. Now they're just 22% to make it into the postseason. The Chargers got a huge boost. They're almost 80% to get into the it's playoffs amazing. now. The Jets' odds were cut in half. They're down to 25% right now. Um, so for the Dolphins, yeah, a loss. But, man, that's you got to take a lot, of, a lot away from that game. If you're Mike McDaniel and if you're a fan of the, the Dolphins, you're like, man, that, that looked pretty good. Yeah, you, you can't be, you know, I know they've lost three in a row, right? But... Uh, I, I really think there is a silver lining for the Dolphins to go. I mean, we, we shot ourselves in the foot and left plays out on the, on, the, on the field against the 49ers. The Chargers had a good game plan and played well, and we still had chances to win the football game and didn't play our best. And then they're going to be able to say the same thing about this one. And I think they answer the questions of like, hey, we can go up and play in the cold and not worry about it and still be explosive and a dangerous offense. Uh, so I, I think from that standpoint, you know, I, I think this can be still a positive for the Dolphins going forward. I really look at it and go, I think it's just all going to come down to them versus the Jets in Week 18, mm. and that's going to be awesome. I On do. Sunday night football. I, I mean, it could be. That could end up being the Sunday night game. But I, I look at their schedule, Packers, Patriots, the Dolphins, and I clearly think they're better than both of those football teams. I expect them to win. Um and, you know, that Jets game will be dicey. But you know, I'm, I'm a believer in the Dolphins, and I'm a believer still that if they get in the playoffs, they could be one of those teams that could upset 
you know, the apple cart to a degree, and we might not get our Burrow, Allens, Mahomes matchups in the because of a team like this. They just they put the pressure on you in every phase of the game, and you saw that even with their defense. It's just they're playmakers. They were all over Josh Allen. There they are once again with no running game. We got to rely on Josh Allen. It's too Josh Allen centric. It is. And that's where the Von Miller thing also comes back to hurt them, too, because he was one guy that could, hey, I can make a few sacks or plays at the end of the game to take the pressure off Josh. So he doesn't always have to drive us down on a 15-play, 90-yard drive to win the game. You know? So that's, that's where I get concerned about Buffalo. Yeah. Um, it, it's just it's, it's one guy, and then there they were playing a team that's got a lot more than one guy, and uh, somehow they won the football game. But it was a great game. Amazing December game. Fest ended with a great game. It started yeah. with a great game. Yeah. That middle game, you've probably already forgotten about. 13-3, to the Browns defeated the Ravens. The Ravens again without Lamar Jackson. There's a question here from Ben Dunster yeah. that I almost think is unfair without even Lamar. There he goes, the Ravens have struggled again offensively. Do yeah. you think the defense is good enough to carry them to a Super Bowl? And do you reckon the criticism Greg Roman is getting is warranted? I mean, this is a... It's a Lamar, yearly thing, right? Isn't it is it a yearly like, thing, right? but I mean, Lamar is the team. Well, Lamar is the team. They need Lamar. He's a big part of what they do, right? Their defense, to answer the question, is not a Super Bowl defense. No, they they they've been better. They're good, uh, but they they need yeah they need the offense to be better. And yeah, you're missing your best player on your football team, definitely, right? And you know that that game, I I wasn't disappointed with the Ravens in that game. I think the game unfolded just how the Ravens kind of wanted to play it. I mean, we can boil it down to really, to me, two things, right? I mean, it's 6-3. Justin T- uh, I think the most shocking thing of the whole weekend, more than the Vikings coming back at the Colts, was Justin Tucker missing a 20-something yard field goal before the end of the first half. Wait, what? Yeah. He missed a chip shot field goal to tie the game at 6 at the end of the first half. It was like, it was unbelievable. It was one of those Ahmed where I was literally like picking off the snacks off my table in my family room going, all right, here's the half. He's going to knock it in. Let me bring these out to the kitchen and halftime. Let me go get another drink or whatever else. And I heard them go, no good. And I was like, what? And I had to run back in there. So that wasn't a chip shot. What was it? It was How, a 48-yard uh, field goal it was, well, a chip shot for him. <laughs> I did think it was closer than that. I'm not going to yeah, lie. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I was a little wrong there. But right. I was shocked by it nonetheless. He missed a 48-yarder and then later in the game had a 50-yarder blocked. Blocked. Right. So that was a big moment. But, okay, so missing that field goal. And sorry I overstated that a little bit. Okay, so maybe my drink was affecting <laughs> my thought of where they were on the field. Yeah. But then yeah. but then the 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 next drive – this was the end of the game. Uh, I, they played this game to win 13-10, 16-13, right, Amin? That's how you that, – yeah. didn't you think that's how that game would be if they were going to win the game? Yeah. So there they go. They go on an eight-minute drive to start the third quarter. They get down there inside the five. Interception to Denzel Ward. I mean, so there's, there's six, ten points left off the board in a game where we know it was going to be a kind of a field goal fest, ugly AFC North, you know – Slobber knocker, as Rich Eisen said seventy four times during the ta- the the telecast. So uh, that's where you know th- that's where they dropped the ball in that game, and uh, they need Lamar back. To your point, yeah. When when is he coming back? What have I, you heard on that? Have you heard anything? N- n- no, I, no, it's not. It's it's kind of like hey, we hope we'll be back in a few weeks, but here we are a few weeks later, and it's like still doesn't sound like it's coming around the corner here. So uh, we'll see. But the other good thing is the, you did see the run game a little again. Right, 
That's that's the encouraging thing, that I think the run game is starting to really get going for them, and hopefully they can get Lamar back before the playoffs here to get the pass game you know, going in the right direction as well to where it can all kind of gel together for, for a playoff push. That closes the book on December Fest. We open the newspaper now. Forgive me the headlines presented by Hyundai. Three games here to end it off. We'll start with the Steelers beating the Panthers, who controlled their own destiny. If yeah. they won out, they would They're have tough. They won run the ball. They play defense. I guess if they still win out, do they still win it all? I, feel I like, think they do. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. I know. Uh, so uh, they lose this game, though. Your headline for this is? I mean, you can't out Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Panthers. What you were can't they thinking? Do it. You can't do it. It's just – that game is – it's why I couldn't pick the Panthers, even though you felt like, hey, they got a little momentum. I just go, wait, we're going to play run the ball and tough defense? Like, that's just – that game's made for Pittsburgh. That's, that's what they want to do. So it was, a, you know, a good win for them. The defense was awesome pretty much throughout the day. Run game was good. And Trubisky took care of the ball, unlike last week, and made some plays in the passing game. Just a good, well-rounded, tough, physical football game by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I give them credit for the way they play week in and week out. Yeah, it was uncharacteristic for the Panthers because they ran for 223 yards last week versus the Seahawks. Just 21 rushing yards on 16 attempts this week. And the defense that we've been talking up for two years now, they allowed Pittsburgh to convert 12 of 15 third downs. I mean, a 21-play drive at one point. They yeah. could not get off the field. 21 plays, t- nearly 12 minutes. It, it's, it's, it was really pretty amazing. Um, it's the one thing Pittsburgh – Pittsburgh got very good within the short passing game, run for three, run for two, short pass, run for four. I mean – Oh, here's a speed sweep to give us a run for eight or ten. You know, they they have their little formula for they know what their team is, and yeah, they just you know beat the Panthers in a style of football where they're like, hey, you guys are just learning how to play this way. We've been doing this for a long time. We're the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll show you how it's done, and that's kind of just how the game felt. And yeah, Carolina not being able to capitalize a few times when they were down there close, having to settle for field goals, not kick touchdowns inside the you know five and ten yard line a few times. Pittsburgh's defense stingy. It's 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 you know it's it's where last week I was a little surprised that Baltimore ran the ball in Pittsburgh. This is what I was expecting to see last week, but. Yeah, uh, good for Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh just doesn't die, and that's because of the leadership of Mike Tomlin and the the toughness and energy he brings to that organization on a daily basis. And a decent running day for Pittsburgh with Najee Harris. I think we've gotten to the point here where we might have to take a look at his stiff arm. It's sick, right? Well, I feel like there's there's a fine line between like a stiff arm and like a punch to a dude's face. I know. I think we're kind of getting close to a punch. He really loads up. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of serious. I hear you. It's different than the Derrick Henry where he's running at full speed. Like Najee stops. Yeah. And is like, I'm going to load up and get my feet and base in a good spot to where I can give you some real power. I know. Uh, He, oddly enough, the guy he reminds me of that used to do this a little bit. Yeah. Was Brandon Marshall. When I the first time I threw a short route to Brandon Marshall, I was like, "The fuck is this guy doing?" Because he turned around and he was like, "I'm just gonna bash whatever DB comes at me <laughs> and just throw their head into the ground." Yeah. And uh, he he's he's amazing that way. He he really is. He's physical. He's tough, and uh, he really fits the 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 mantra. Yeah. But here's here's a conversation just real quick, sure. like off of this. Like, this is what's weird to me about the NFL draft, right? And just to hit on this because we're hitting on Najee Harris. 
Like, what's the difference between Brian Robinson and Najee Harris? This is where my like my whole thing. I know I was a little lower on Najee than most people, and I would think I was higher on Brian Robinson. But this is what crazy kills me about the NFL draft. It's like Najee had all this hype out of Alabama, so he's a first round pick. Brian Robinson didn't. He's got the same skill set and is maybe faster and better in the open field. He's just as big, but he's a third-round pick. I just I don't understand it sometimes. It's just interesting to me because yeah. I'm sitting there watching those games yesterday going, like, Brian Robinson's every bit as good as Najee Harris, but for some reason he was viewed as a third-rounder. And it's just it's the hype of situations sometimes that drive me crazy. Sorry, that was just a little. No, food it's for been thought. a pretty good year for later round draft picks too at the running back position yeah. with Isaiah Pacheco too. Is that yeah. a great year? Oh, well, no for, doubt for about the Chiefs. it. Chiefs, man, so. he's a sledgehammer. Uh, so that was bad enough. We had to talk about one team in the NFC South. Now we got to talk about two teams oh, in the NFC gosh, South. Damn, but we we'll do it because we talk about every game. That's our promise to you, the homie. Uh, Saints defeat the Falcons twenty-one to eighteen. The final score. Your headline for this game is. Be ready, Iceman. I'm ready. I feel the need, the need for Shahid. <laughs> they needed him. Long touchdown. Oh, he's a big play. All, all year long, he's been one of the big play players for the New Orleans Saints. Like a pleasant surprise. A little, you know, nice addition to Chris Olave and the group they got there in New Orleans. Uh, I, I think if you just had to, like, sum up the game. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill, excuse me, big plays in the pass game early, got them going. Got the lead going. It seemed like they were in total control of the game. But in typical Falcons fashion, all of a sudden, like third quarter, the run game started to just absolutely dominate. And every time I'm looking over there, I'm going, wait, there goes there goes Algier for 10 yards. There, there goes Cordero for seven yards. There goes Algier for eight yards. And I'm going, they couldn't run the ball at all in the first half, it didn't seem like. And now they're just going up and down the field. And then Desmond Ritter got a little confidence and made a few plays. And all of a sudden you're going, holy crap, are they really going to go drive down the, the field here and kick a game-tying field goal? It just felt like New Orleans was in control of the football game. Um, but uh, Atlanta's, yeah, they don't ever die either. And uh, it got unfortunate. Desmond Ritter threw a nice ball to Drake London. London fumbled, and that kind of ended the game. Yeah, it wasn't great for Desmond Ritter. His first start, the rookie, the third rounder out yeah. of Cincinnati, he was just 2 for 10 for 23 yards on passes, 10 or more yards downfield. Ended the game with just 97 total yards. Yeah. But, I mean, that's we've seen that from Atlanta all year, basically. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's been, you know, quarterback plays him a good, tough situation. Got to go into New Orleans, play that defense. It does a lot of different stuff. Yeah, he, he missed some throws. He definitely looked a little, you know, on edge in the pocket. Got unlucky. I mean, man, Alante Taylor dropped a 95-yard interception return that hit him in the chest. He dropped another one to start the third quarter where he didn't get his feet down. Uh, so, yeah, it was it was a little a little all over the place. And you know, the one aspect I forgot too, the Saints were kind of controlling the game, and David Johnson fumbled as they were going into score one time. That kind of gave Atlanta a second breath of fresh air uh, that, that kind of kept them in the game and, and maybe halted the blowout there, for, for lack of a better way to say it. And Drake London with the fumble at the end of the game that maybe could have set up that completion, could have set up a game-tying field goal, but who knows. But Saints get the win there, 21-18, the final score. One more game to talk about. That is the Broncos beating the Cardinals 24-15. to Your headline for this game is? No rust, no fuss. I mean, who needs a $45 million quarterback <laughs> that we traded away our next two drafts for? Yeah, no lo- big deal. A lot of people in Denver are asking that same <laughs> question. Yeah. Well, you know, this is where I feel bad for quarterbacks, right? It's like... It's almost like the Carson Wentz-Washington conversation, too. I, I mean, Russ must have been sitting there on the sideline going, 
I mean, we haven't today. We're gonna fucking run the ball like at will on the, this team. Like, oh, I don't play now. We're now the game's gonna become easy, and we're gonna dominate the run game. He must have been over there. Like, what the fuck? Like, I would have, I would have had a big day today with play action pass and some of the stuff that Arizona was being aggressive at the line of scrimmage, trying to stop the run, and they were still gashing them. Um, ugly football game, and felt like it was over. Once Colt McCoy got hurt, you were just like, oh, I don't think they're going to be able to hang in there. And Trace to- McSorley wasn't going to bring him no, back? No, I didn't feel like they were going to be able to orchestrate enough offense. It was tough already with Colt McCoy against that good Denver defense. Um, and then once he went out, yeah, and that's a tough spot for McSorley to get thrown into. Hasn't played all year, and you got to play that defense in Denver. Not easy. The Broncos have held 10 opponents this season to 19 points or fewer. Second most in the NFL, and they improved to 4 and 10. And that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Now it's time for what we've all been waiting for. One team was eliminated. That's crazy. That's it. I mean, there's three games left in the year and the whole fucking league still available to make the playoffs, except for what? Three teams? Four I guess teams? we could get the Rams right after today. Tonight, the Rams could be available. Yes. Um, but the Arizona Cardinals are done. And so we lay them to rest. The best way we know how. Poor little birdies. With this music and Requiem for a Team. Now, it sucks that Kyler's hurt. I hope he comes back healthy next year. Me too. Um, but Kyler is in this ending poem because oh. he has to be. He's a big okay. part of the team. Of course he is. He's the franchise. Here lie the Arizona Cardinals. The season ends with a massive thud. Kyler and Cliff certainly have bad blood. It's becoming a theme like the Spider-Man meme, pointing, shouting, no, you are the dud. <laughs> you are, not me, you, Kyler, Cliff, pointing at each other. Yes. Who's the problem there? You know, it's Kyler hasn't been great, but you can say that Cliff hasn't put him in the positions to succeed. And yeah. can he be a franchise quarterback? Can mm-hmm. he be a leader like that? There are some questions this offseason. I think so. Most of which now can Kyler get back healthy, um, which hopefully he can. And then hopefully he can show that he can lead this team to yeah. the playoffs and beyond. Yeah, I'll be, they're definitely one of these teams that it's going to be an interesting offseason to see what they're going to do. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a team that has been built around the offense and the coach and the quarterback, and the offense is underwhelmed in big moments the last few years. That's just plain and simple. You know, when their early season tricks or a few new wrinkles they have get caught onto at the end of the year or whatever, we've seen that all – you know, be an issue, and they can't win games late in the year. This year they never got it going. You know, they are a lot of money on the offense, and the defense is clearly the best unit on the, the team. Uh, that's where it is it's it is a little concerning. I'd be interested to see what they do. And then now you add in this whole Steve Kime, Sean Coogler thing where, you know, the offensive line coach, he got fired for allegedly groping somebody in Mexico City, and okay. now there's these rumors that maybe they mistaken – him for Steve Kime. Is that a real, is that a real thing? Is there, that just... There's a lot of rumors out there. Again, this is all allegedly. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it doesn't certainly, it just adds to a little bit of the, you know, dysfunction of the Cardinals and what they've had going on here the last year. Some dysfunction in Green Bay for the first time in, in a, a long time. Yeah. I guess there, I guess I, actually with Aaron there, there has been some dysfunction. Yeah. I guess yeah. they, they, they win. It's won. a winning dysfunction. <laughs> That's true. Right. It's right. They just, they haven't won with that dysfunction <laughs> happening. One final game here this week. Bet. MGM parlay preview, Rams at Packers, Monday Night Football. Uh, the Packers are favored by 7.5, an over-under of 39.5. And, 
You're going with the under, it looks like here. I am. You predict a Green Bay victory, but you think that L.A. will cover 19-17. So you're trying to thread the needle, I as am. They I'm say. threading the old needle there. I, I just, uh, yeah, I have a hard time thinking Green Bay is just going to move the ball up and down the field on this, Ram, on this uh, Rams defense. This Rams defense is still really good. So that's where I just look at it. And we know that, you know, the, the Packers kind of conservative. I am excited. Maybe they'll be different tonight. You know, off a of bye week, and it sounds like Dobbs and Watson are both going to be in the lineup at receiver. So that's going to be the first time all year we're going to kind of get to see that element. You know, Watson clearly showing like he's one of the most explosive people in football. Dobbs is really good before he got hurt. Uh, I'm excited to see that. And then the Baker Mayfield element here. You know, it, hey, yeah, he's had 11 days. He'll be. He was in the. This is an offense again, as I tried to explain to Fourier last week or a little bit. Is just he's this the terminology and the rules of the offense. He's been in this offense his whole career. He's just got to learn to switch some words over. Oh, McVeigh calls it this. My old coach called it that, and he's just got to learn that process. But uh, I would think that you know they can make a few plays tonight on the Packers defense. But I, I expect the Packers in the cold at home to kind of gut it out and win a win a tough game. Would be pretty cool, though, if Baker Mayfield goes out there oh, and be crazy. tears it up. I mean, last, the last Thursday night was crazy enough. If he yeah. does this here, holy cow, he'll become a legend. The action never stops at BetMGM. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. Your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Yep, and say, so say you bet $100 on Aaron Jones to score the first TD tonight, which is the most popular bet on MGM right now. If you win, you'll get $550. But if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets, Ahmed. Okay, Brett's? Brett's. Bets and Brett's. Brett's Favre's against his old team. <laughs> ah, don't bring up Brett Favre. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. And as always, bet responsibly out there. Always. Just throw a few bucks. Be smart, okay? Just bet what you can afford to lose. That's don't right. Go, don't go crazy. Right. Just bet it to make enough to make the game interesting and make yeah. you a little nervous. Don't yep. go beyond that. Don't go beyond that. Let's not go to the point where we're... You know, slugging down a bottle of whiskey because we're like, oh gosh, I might lose my house. Yeah, don't look like Chris <laughs> on Saturday. You know, <laughs> right, right. Which don't I want to see that. Yeah, that was just you know other things that were making you uh, feel like that. <laughs> Lots but, of uh, things. That was it. We did it. Wow, we did it. Full slate. Full slate. All we got is full slates from here on out, Slugger. Three more weeks of full slate, and then we get in the playoff conversation. I'm excited for that. I'm and, pumped. Man, this is a great week. I mean, December Fest continues. I love it. I really do. This week, Saturday, more yeah. games, right? I mean, get to sit on the couch on Christmas Eve, watch games, do the same thing I did last weekend, yeah. except more Christmas festivities are exactly. going to be going on. And I'm you'll excited. be working on Christmas? I will be working Oof. on Christmas, which absolutely sucks. There's no way around that, especially when there's going to be another game going on during your pregame show. Oh, yeah. That kind of stinks. But either way, we'll be here to bring the Christmas joy to the fans. Wednesday, check us out. You know it. Ahmed Sims will be back in effect. Treasure Hunter, what the fuck happened podcast. Yep. Send in the questions. Let me know if there's anything you want to dissect, right? Uh, we'll dive deep into a few of these games that I think deserve a little, you know, more investigating, a little more digging. Sure. We'll do that. And uh, I'm sure Ahmed will have a few creative, snarky things to bring to the table on Wednesday two. as always. I'm planning on two. Two things. That's yeah. it. Just two. <laughs> All right. Peace out, everybody. Enjoy the Monday Night Football game. Again, enjoy. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Enjoy the week. It's a great week. Family, friends, be happy, be merry. Clap, Clap it, up. it up. 